Welcome to Marvel News, presented by SuperheroNews.com. My name is Sean Gerber, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Paul Herman. How's it going, Paul? Oh, I'm very excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> you might very be as excited, excited to talk about it as the director apparently was to make it. Uh, we are talking, this is our review show for X-Men Apocalypse the latest in Fox's X-Men series. It's the other Marvel movie universe uh, that's been going on since the first X-Men in 2000. And this is really kind of the wrap-up of uh, the second trilogy, which started with X-Men First Class in 2011 and then continued in 2014 with X-Men Days of Future Past, which, not counting Deadpool, just with the X-Men series, remains the, the highest-grossing X-Men movie of all time and will remain that way based on uh, the early returns for X-Men Apocalypse. So you, you may already guess which way this is going, but uh, I'll throw it out there right now. This is a spoiler show. This is intended for people who have seen the movie. Uh, if you have not seen the movie, then... You know, well, I recommend that you see the movie before listening to the show, or if you don't care about being spoiled, then just don't blame us after the fact. That's all I'll say is <laughs> this is just really absolving us of any of our responsibility for your being spoiled. Uh, and with that warning out there, we will continue on. So if you're still here, then you already know there's not much we really could spoil in X-Men Apocalypse because not that much happens in X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, you know, I was not a big fan of this movie. And just to go back to previous shows where we talked about trailers, I really liked the first trailer. I was the yeah. one kind of looking around when so many other people were disappointed by it uh, and going, what looks looks fine to me and then the second trailer I was like yeah I didn't like that quite as much but then the third trailer the final one I really liked and it had me hyped for the movie so I went into X-Men Apocalypse with I don't want to say like ridiculous crazy like civil war type of expectations but I expect <laughs> I thought I would like it for sure I mean I certainly expected to yeah. at the very least have a good time with the movie um, and we'll get into as many details as I can remember because I mean the movie's not that memorable, and if you'll bear with me, like, Paul, you have me at, at a disadvantage. I, it's been almost four weeks since I saw the movie Oof. because I saw it, you know, at a press screening, uh, which means I haven't even seen the post credit scene, but I won't go back to watch the movie just to see that. Like, wow. I will pro well, because, like, I know I'm going to buy the Blu-ray anyway because like, yeah, I, just, I get all I these you. movies, so... I've already, you know, it's already been spoiled what the post credit scene is, and it doesn't, it's not something I have to go set my own eyes on right away. I'll check it out later uh, when I get that Blu ray. So, uh, but anyway, with this movie, uh, just speaking more generally without getting it anything too specific, I just felt the movie was paced very, very slowly, and I feel like it. Even though there was so much promise with a lot of new characters, you know, or I shouldn't say new characters, younger versions of the characters, new versions of Cyclops and Jean Grey and Nightcrawler and Storm and, and all the way down the line, even with all that, and then some of the new mutants that we had never seen before, it, it felt like there was a lot of opportunity to explore those characters or explore characters in new ways than what we had seen before. And I feel like mostly this movie kind of boiled down to pretty much the same few characters that it's been running on for the balance of this series not not even before uh first class and days of future past so that's the kind of thing i just felt like it never really pulled away from xavier and magneto and I, I i feel like at this point when you're going to have team films and ensemble superhero films i think we know i think we've seen examples especially recently we've seen examples where it's just done so much better you know, and you see stories that give every character important things to say and interesting things to do over the course of a movie. And I don't feel like that really happened here. And I feel like even a lot of the main story that it was trying to tell was just retread of a lot of things that had been done before. And it all built up to an action scene that I thought was pretty anticlimactic and pretty flat compared to other action scenes that we've seen uh, in the genre. So I, it's not so much that I don't know that X-Men Apocalypse is a bad movie. It might be. It's definitely, I, I certainly wouldn't qualify it as a good movie, but it's just, I mean, I'm obviously going to be critical of the movie throughout the show, but I mean, it's, it's not even a movie where like, even though I'll probably 
throw some more jabs at it besides what I've already thrown. It's just kind of there. I mean, I think it's kind of just like I said, I'm I'm at a disadvantage here because I found for the most part the movie's completely forgettable. Like with it, you know, this is not one that I can really see myself having any strong desire to go back to. I don't even know if I'll rewatch it when I get the Blu-ray. I might just watch the post-credit scene and throw it back on the shelf. There's nothing about this movie that I, you know, that really inspires me to to want to watch it again. And and normally with these movies, like I even the ones I don't really like, I still watch a bunch of times. <laughs> like so it's uh it's my reaction to X-Men Apocalypse is just weird. I I don't know entirely where I stand on it, but it's really more of the question of how bad it is. It's certainly not a question of how good it is. It's funny because, you know, Sean, and, and people will know that we don't always agree. No. You know, famously, we, 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 we didn't on Fantastic Four. I know. Famously, yes. I wish, I hope it's famously. Um, you know, the thing is, hey, you know, like I think all six of the people who listen to this show, they, <laughs> they remember yes. that episode. And those, and those six people are amazing, by the yes, way. Yes, they are. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. And, and people who listen to the show for a while, I've known us on Modern Myth Media before. We can agree. We were kind of down the middle when it comes to like what we like and don't like. We we agree sometimes. Mm. We disagree sometimes. It just it's never like one side or the other. It's it's just you, we don't know. So when if you like something, I'm like, huh, I don't know if I'm gonna love it or hate it. Right. Whether it be Batman vs Superman or X Men Apocalypse. And with X Men Apocalypse, you didn't like it. You're very outspoken about it, and I'm, and I never like, I don't, you know, and people who know me and, and know our relationship, I never come down on you what you like. I'm like, huh, that's it's interesting. We'll see what happens. So a lot of people who are, you know, I, people I respect, and and I, we have a lot of similar interests. for saying it's not that bad. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's gonna be good. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go into this. It could be like Fantastic Four, which I wasn't really thinking that kind of level mm-hmm. bad, but I was think, or or is your or everyone else's opinion bad? I, I still don't think it's bad but anyway um, even the people who made it admit that it's bad <laughs> regardless i don't care um so going into it i was excited to see it because i love the x-men franchise you know marvel unlimited dumped a ton of new uh yes they did. new old uh x-men comics on there which were from my era like the 90s it's like oh man this is my jam so i was getting a little pumped up for x-men I was ready for it. Um, I, you know, again, I got into comics in the late 80s um, because my older brother, my older brother and I love X-Men comics. And he, I remember him buying, my first exposure to Apocalypse himself was, I think, I don't don't remember what the annual number is, but it's actually, it's one of them just got released on the X-Men Unlimited or the uh, Marvel Unlimited app. It's a X-Factor annual and it's him punching the high evolutionary war, him being Apocalypse. And it's issue – oh, annual number three. So that was my first introduction to, to Apocalypse. And his look always just you know baffled me. And I think this is also drawn by Walt Simonson, the cover anyway. And it's beautiful, beautiful cover. And it's Apocalypse is dominating as usual. And I've always thought of Apocalypse as this unstoppable force – and when I look, when I, when I, and I don't know a lot about Apocalypse, I'll admit. I haven't read a ton about him. I know a little bit about him. I knew as much as what the movie gave us, essentially. But it's funny because I go back to the animated series. And the animated series did a fantastic job. And this is one from the 90s. Did a phenomenal job of explaining and showing the massive power of Apocalypse. And I heard some there were some comparisons with the 90s cartoon. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'm getting ready. As long, as long as they get me Apocalypse, what I know, what he should be, I'll be fine. I go into the theater with my brother. Only fitting I go with my brother because we were both X-Men nerds from back in the day. Not as much now, but back in the day, those Spider-Man and X-Men were my jam. And we sit down, watch movie. Uh, we were riding back home together, and we both just said, uh, <laughs> uh, we did it. And my, my brother kept saying, I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like it. And I'm like, yes, me too, exactly. And we just kept going over and over all the things, and we'll get into those things obviously in a second, but it's just my general feeling is this. It just – it was a disappointment. It was. It was a general disappointment, and this is one of the things I think we're going to agree on. Um I'm just gonna. I have to bring it up now, Sean. I have to. I apologize, but Apocalypse just sucked. I mean, he's terrible. I'm sorry for swearing, but he was terrible. I mean, and not because Oscar Isaac or Isaacs, whatever you want to say his name. I, again, me mispronouncing names is nothing new. 
my thing with this was they botched Apocalypse one hundred percent. And again, I'm going to give my brother credit. I'm give a lot of shout outs. He's at Wimerick uh, on Twitter. He's, he's my older brother. He's amazing. Um, he nailed it, and he said that studios today seem like they ha- they feel they have to go back to these practical effects and practical makeup to make these characters believable or to give them meaning or, or whatever, you know, th- th- that last one was my words, not his, but basically he's saying that this over-reliance on practical effects is actually hindering them in some aspects. And an apocalypse is 100% a misfire of trying to show a villain and give him a humanistic context. He does not need a humanistic context. Apocalypse is a freaking mutant God and he should be, towering over everyone not the same height as freaking psylocke and it drives me nuts when i see that and i don't i didn't mind the actual costume that he wore it was just more like the just the blue around his face and to have when you have apocalypse walking around killing civilians in a cloak it just doesn't work for me to me, Apocalypse has to be this giant godlike being that comes around and doesn't care if people see him. It's like, yeah, come at me. You know, you're not going to stop me. And even if they, I understand that they did that right away, that they would fight him in the first like 10 minutes. But I guess there, there just could have been a better way of handling the whole thing. Because I think that when you, like you talked about the end not being very memorable, you're absolutely right. Because Apocalypse does jack shit in the whole movie. He just kind of looks around, his eyes get white, and then he controls oh, people. And no. that's about- he does the <laughs> same mean- thing four times. This scene happens four times in the first hour of the movie. Who the hell are you? I'm Apocalypse. <laughs> so what? I will make you more powerful. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that scene happens four times. And the Ugh. only time, and like, here's how much, like, I actually thought, it was funny, I saw this movie with my friend Mark Hughes, who writes at Forbes and do like popular opinion podcasts. So uh, when we went to this uh, press screening, I actually said to him before the show, I was like, you know what? This movie automatically scores points for me. If Metallica's four horsemen shows up somewhere in this movie. And then sure enough in angel, cause that is like Metallica is my favorite band ever. Sorry. And uh, it is all actually not sorry. And four horsemen (laughs) is my second favorite Metallica song ever after for whom the bell tolls. So like, I loved, I love that song. And that song just totally like jacks me up. So like I was right, you know, but the movie was so uninspired to that point. And even that scene where I was like, the only thing I like about this right now is the song and the way they're editing the song sucks. (laughs) So (laughs) 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 the way they cut it, I'm like, no, just leave it. Um, Anyway, as uh, during Angel's recruitment scene, but it, it just made everything more awkward. Like, okay, so Apocalypse is giving everybody armor except Psylocke because she needs to be in the bikini. Like, seriously, like, oh, yeah. oh I'm sorry, it's a one piece. But like, all it did was it took a <laughs> costume that makes no sense already and just made it make less sense by showing him giving everybody else costumes. Like, it just, uh, why? And then like the goofiest thing ever, like here's a TV in this hut in like Cairo that's like not plugged into anything like i I assume it's hooked up to like a satellite but it's not really it doesn't appear to be like a smart tv or internet enabled so you don't even really get like when ultron decided to kill all of mankind in age of ultron at least they showed a bunch of information coming in and like had it kind of make sense with the way that character was constructed you have apocalypse putting his hand on this freaking crappy tv set and storm asking what are you doing learning are you kidding me like who looks at that and is like oh that's a good idea i I don't know how that i I just i don't know how when you're shooting that you just go oh my god that's terrible we need to not do that uh i I don't know how that gets by somebody but the but like my bigger issues with apocalypse like uh, i don't want to say like it's not so much a bad performance by oscar isaac it's just kind of Mm -hmm. misguided and it all like yes and the script doesn't help him the direction doesn't help him the rest of the story it it just i mean he's surrounded by four horsemen but he might as well be on an island because he just feels like he has nothing to do with the rest of this movie because like everything Mm -hmm. else is just kind of happening it's all about other character storylines around him and you're like they give him a little bit of that humanistic quality and they do the, you know, they take a scene from the mummy and they make that the, the prologue to the movie. 
and like and, and it's fine and it works and it's a decent like action set piece. The but, opening's not bad. I don't no, think the opening's it was, bad at all. Yeah, it's probably the best action scene in the entire movie. Um, <laughs> it might I, I be, guess, well, I guess maybe not compared to Book the Quicksilver Silver. scene, like but Silver. we'll get to yeah. that too. Like, there's just so much about this that just it, it falls flat. Like Apocalypse is an example. Like even his plan, like so, like he can take like we see him, like he can pull like any elements out of the out of the earth to kill people. So why does he need Magneto to pull metal out of the earth? I like mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. Like he doesn't really need Magneto for that. Like that's the other thing is when you show that somebody is so powerful and like they can pretty much do anything because he's not only does he have whatever his original set of powers, uh, whatever his original set of powers was, like they they explain it in the movie because the only reason Rose Byrne is in this movie is to explain to the other <laughs> X Men what Apocalypse is. Uh, so nobody ever gets to learn anything. Like she just tells them, "Here it is." <laughs> Uh, like this is how this is how quickly we want to get through this um like when it comes to that like when you don't really define his skill set that well it's like but you just show that he's supposed to be super powerful like well then why does he need help like what are the limitations exactly to his powers you know why does he you know why does he need all this help or maybe he doesn't and he just wants it but like it just kind of makes a lot of it look silly and dumb and then the other, but the bigger thing for me is that like once Magneto comes into the story, it's the Magneto show again, and it's nothing against Michael Fassbender because I thought he I thought he did a great job acting in the movie, just like he's been doing a great job for three movies now. I don't have a problem with Fassbender from a performance perspective, but I don't and I don't want to say that the scene isn't like emotionally powerful, but. Like when he loses his family, it's like I already saw him lose his family. Like he already exactly. lost a family. Exactly. Like now you've invented this other family that has nothing to do with anything that exists for the sole purpose of being murdered. Like that's the only reason they're there is to get Magneto back to being evil. Because like even though Magneto always turns evil, we got to give him a new reason. <laughs> like we just need to keep doing that. So, like that could have been. If that was going to be more, like better developed and fully fleshed out, that could have been a really awesome Magneto solo movie. Like those scenes, like as part of like Magneto's own movie, that was obviously again a part of a, a bigger story that's all Magneto. Actually, could have worked for me, but in this movie, it just feels out of place and it takes the time away from other characters. Like like Alexander Ship is the actress who like I feel the most like I have the most sympathy towards in this movie because she actually like her first appearance as storm in that scene with apocalypse. I actually thought she nailed it. Like when she was talking about looking up to mystique as like a hero for mutants, I was like, I'm on board with this performance. Like I, like I, this is a younger version of the character, but Alexander ship is totally holding her own. I am into this. And then storm doesn't talk for like almost the rest of the entire movie. And then you have, I mean, because again, it just goes away from her. Like the it, this movie just loses sight of these characters. Why is Nightcrawler in this movie? I don't know. Like he's there. I mean, he's there to have an amazing Michael Jackson jacket. Okay, I guess it's so. Awesome. But like it's, but he's there like when it's convenient to have his power. But we don't really get a chance to talk to or connect with this character. And even Cyclops, like. Why did you bother getting Ty Sheridan just so he could sit there and whine for five minutes and not really do anything? Like, because you make Jean Grey, like, the only one of the new mutants who actually gets a storyline, except the storyline that she has is the exact same storyline that the older version of her had in the first three X-Men movies. <laughs> Going right back. I mean, like, in one of her very first scenes, she's having a, a Dark Phoenix nightmare. And I'm like, really? Like... Brian Singer, you made the movies in which two of them. <laughs> you made the movies that the two of the three movies that built to this storyline already. I appreciate that it didn't do a great job of it, but you still did it. I don't understand why you go right back to that with this character. She's so young right now; she doesn't need to go into that. And so, like again, you're taking up story that could go. You you have an opportunity to provide better balance to this, but you're just sticking it with these characters that. We already know, and you're not even doing new, interesting things with them. You're just retreading the same stuff that you've already done before with these characters. That's what, you know, it's not interesting. Like, if you're going to show these characters through several films, you have to do different things with them. And, and I know this is going to annoy some people, but I don't care. If you look at Civil War, like, what Cap and Iron Man are on the exact opposite sides of where you would have expected them to be from the first time you saw each of those characters. 
And that's because as you're seeing these characters in these movies, these characters are developing and they're changing. They're evolving over the course of the story. Like with these X-Men movies, it feels like there's nothing evolving at all. Now, I appreciate that this is going back in time and showing younger versions of the characters, but they don't, if I'm showing younger versions, then why do they already need to be the people that I know that I met in 2000? I, that's the part that I don't get. They should be different now and working towards that direction, not necessarily going through the exact same stuff. So a lot of that was just, you know, no good for me, just no balance to how these characters are handled. Like, Jubilee is in this movie for no other reason than to show fans of the 90s cartoon, hey, she's got her yellow coat. She does nothing, <laughs> in, this, she does nothing in this movie. She doesn't even show off her powers once. And I appreciate that she probably did in the mall scene that apparently got cut. But, well, I can't give you a pass because you cut the one scene where she did something. That just shows yeah. all the more reason why she shouldn't be in the movie. So, I, I just... I have more examples, but I'm already rambling, so I'll, I'll, you got to jump in for a, for a little while to take this over. But there's so many things yeah. where this, this movie just goes sideways for me. Right, and I think, I think you said it best that this film, these characters are just wasted. And, and sometimes I got glimpses of why I like these characters, though, in the first place. I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't hate Psylocke. I mean, again, she was exactly what I grew up reading from those comics. It was cool to see her powers, like, in play i mean with her cyanides and her and her samurai sword granted i think she was she was completely wasted she didn't say anything but also she's just useless in this like i don't understand why she's a four horseman like i don't i i I don't understand (laughs) like storm controls weather super powerful mutant super powerful like magneto okay his like controlling metal we've already seen how powerful that can be and when apocalypse helps him out a little bit he becomes even more powerful and i get it i totally get it like Storm and Magneto, if you're Apocalypse and you're wanting to kill everyone on Earth at once, Storm and Magneto definitely help you do that. Psylocke does not. Like, Psylocke well, Psylocke's a, she's, she's a telepath. So, yeah, I mean, but she that's, doesn't, that's pretty big. But they don't even really play with that power in they this, in right, this movie. Don't. So, like, you have to, you need to show that. Like, all she has is her side knives. So, it's like, and, and really, like, in one of the dumbest things that they do is they're showing Apocalypse, like, increasing her powers, is they show her side knife, and then he just makes it longer. <laughs> like, just show, like, how, she, how he's making her more powerful. It's just like, oh, come on. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, it's just weird. I think it's the weird, the whole timeline of everything. Like, you have, you know, the angel. I don't think that's supposed to be Warren Worthington the third. I'm assuming it's not. Um, and you know, he's, this Americans fighting in Germany. It's like, okay, it's weird, I guess, you know? And I mean, I liked Nightcrawler fine. I just, the whole mystique thing, which I understand why they're putting her in the forefront. Yeah. I just don't really care. I just, I, mean, I don't know. She just didn't really fit. I felt that you should have, you should have under, you could have like added her in, but as more of a side character, not as the main character driving the X-Men and really had Jean Grey. Cyclops, Nightcrawler, take center stage against. She's these only mutants. there because Jennifer Lawrence sells more tickets than the rest know, of that group, I agree. and that's like, yeah. and I, I hate being cynical about that stuff because I understand. Believe me, I understand that the the object of these movies is to make money, and so you want to have things in there that are going to sell tickets. But you know, we've seen before movies that don't have massive superstars become big hits, like Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, just because the characters are awesome and just because it connects with people and it gets good word of mouth and people keep going back and going to see it and telling their friends and bringing their friends with them to see it. Like that's the stuff that you should be striving for. Like, and I appreciate that Jennifer Lawrence doesn't like wearing the mystique makeup, but like for her to be like not blue for most of this movie contradicts everything that the entire arc that her character has been on throughout this trilogy, which is mutant and proud like learning to be comfortable with her actual self when she's not disguised as anyone else. And she spends most of the movie, even when she's not like, you know, even when she's just around the other mutants. And I mean, obviously when she's out in public and she's in disguise for whatever reason, it makes sense. But when she's just around the other mutants, like they only do that for the last shot in the, you know, in the danger room, that's it. So like, it just mm-hmm. like you, you show right there in that scene, you acknowledge that, yeah, she's supposed to be blue the whole time, but like all it does is again highlight the fact that she's not been blue for most of this movie, which there's no story reason for that to happen, just you know, your lead actress doesn't want to wear the makeup. 
And and here's my one of my other things about this movie, which I you know was the script was clumsy. I hated the first introduction of Jean Grey and Scott. It was so awkward yeah. and not in like not in a, a good teenager like, awkward way. Not, no, it was awfully written way. And I'm just I, I just there's so many times and not only did it fail the structure of the story, I felt I also felt that they, it let down Michael Fassbender 100 percent. I felt he was wasted. This entire film, like you nailed it, Sean. They made this family just for him to lose it again and and give him a reason to join Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. The fact that Apocalypse, I mean, at the very end of Days of Future Past, like he's a substantial like villain who wants to take over or wants mutant to mutant superior yeah. to take over. Yeah. And so why he has every reason to join Apocalypse, right? Besides. It's so frustrating. Where these characters and, start has nothing to do with where they ended in Days of Future Past. Exactly. <laughs> nothing. And that's what's so, yes, and that's what's so frustrating is it feel it felt like that gap of time, like there was another movie that we missed and that may be a better one, and they're just now telling us this story, well, which just doesn't really line up at all with what we got before. It's also telling and, us that basically nothing's happened in ten years, so we have all these really cool mutants hanging out at the school, like. The X-Men haven't even been fighting. Like, this starts out with Mystique telling Charles, like, just because, you know, just because you're not at war doesn't mean, like, you know, you have peace. Like, basically, you know, they're basically having a conversation that suggests that really nothing's been going on. Like, the X-Men aren't even training to fight or anything because nothing's been going down for 10 years. So, really, like, you're doing this, you're telling this story where now nothing's happened with all these characters, with all these superpowers in 10 years? No way. I don't believe it. And, And that's just because these jumps in time have nothing to do with anything. Nothing to do with anything. Yeah. So now, it's a novelty. Yeah, uh, Alex Summers like should be pushing forty. He looks, <laughs> looks like he's twenty years old. Dude. Yeah, I mean the actor himself is twenty five. He barely looks twenty five. Like just because he has long hair, you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> like, oh, man, he looks. He's day over forty five. Yeah, just because no, he's got it, a bad, it, you know, a bad haircut doesn't make him look older. It just makes him look like he's got a bad haircut. Yeah. And and that's the thing. We're, we're we're getting we're being brought in the seventies and the eighties. The first seventies time jump wasn't as big of a you know you could swallow it a little bit. With with the eighties, it was a lot tougher to swallow. The the age gaps are all over the place. And uh, you know what? Yeah. Here's the thing for for me, I'll give the, I always give that stuff the benefit benefit of the doubt because. I just I want to I want to see a good X Men movie. That's all I care about. I can forgive the timelines all. But I think if you, up. But I think that's part of why you're not getting good X Men movies though, is because there's this com- because there's a complete disregard for what's happened, what's come before, which means you're not building off of it. And I think we know that like if you're gonna have a series of films, they should be building off of each other. Yes, they need to be you know be able to hold up on their own. They absolutely do, but we still know that like a lot of the best movies that you know are sequels or whatever like even though yes they do stand on their own at the same time they build they do a great job of building off of something that came before like it's a payoff by itself but then also a payoff as a sequel to the other story like and that's the thing that these x-men movies are missing so uh, you know i you're right in that you know we can forgive these things if we just get good x-men stories and good x-men movies but i think it's I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. I think part of the reason we don't get mm-hmm. better stories is because of the disregard for what's come before and the failure to build off of it. Right. And, and, I, th- and I look back at like Days of Future Past, which I know you don't like as much as right now, but I still love it. I I like I it. What... I don't yeah, I don't dislike it. It's not it's just that like when I first saw it, like I was in love with it and thought like, "Oh, let me maybe this would maybe this could supplant X2 as like my favorite of the X-Men movies." Right. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, "No, like I, I still feel positive about it. I just don't feel as strongly positive as I right. did like immediately. It's not so it's still up there with the X-Men movies for me. I just don't like question, oh, will that take the place of X2? X2 is just now firmly like number one yes. on my list. That's all. Yeah, that's no, really I, all that it is. Right. And to me, it goes X2 and the Days Future Past. And I think that, again, when I look at Magneto and I see him from Days Future Past, which I love I love the fact that this guy is like, you know, trying to wipe out the human race. And then, you know, and then we we go back to X-Men Apocalypse and he joins up with Apocalypse. I'm just like, OK, whatever. And, and he brings him back to this this time and he's destroying everything of, of the old concentration camp. 
And then and I just I almost feel like they're going back there too much. Like they went back to the well. They went back to the well the mm-hmm. first time and, and X-Men first class, which was fine. You brought in a you know, brought in um Sebastian, uh not Sebastian, what's his name? Yeah, Shaw. Sebastian, Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, Shaw. So you bring in that character and you brought it in and to me, like that was that you were kind of dancing a fine line already with that movie by, by bringing back the original scenes from the X-Men first film and blah, blah, blah. And then they go back again. I'm like, come, there's gotta be something else. And that's the thing for me is that Meg, like why give, was wasted. Well, like why give him this whole other family? If you're just going to tie it back to his original family that he left, exactly. like, so again, you're you're highlighting exactly what it is you're doing. You're highlighting just how much you're retreading and trying to use a simple little device to achieve the same feeling that you already had based on his original backstory. So they could have just done that. They didn't have to have and again, Magneto was already in the mood to kill humans again at the end of Days of Future Past. Like we didn't need I didn't need to know that he calmed down after that. Got a family. Oh, and now I find out about this just in time to see them die. And now he's mad again and wants to kill human beings. Like, I understand that it works with the metaphor of mutants being discriminated against and being feared. Like, I understand all of that. Like, I, and it's a theme that you continue, that you would obviously continue to work with within the frame of X Men films because it is kind of the central theme of X Men in a lot of ways. So I get it. But you have to find other ways of getting there. Like, I, let show me that experience lived through the eyes of another character. I already know how Magneto feels about it. I already know mm-hmm. his experience and why he feels the way that he does. I don't need it to. I don't need this other family to be created just for a freaking reset button. Like, I don't need it. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, like, it's not that the scene is bad. In any other movie, I think the scene might have been good, but in the context of this movie and like this moment in time for this series, it's just not necessary. So even though it's very well acted, it doesn't really mean all that much. It almost would have fit better in Days of Future Past of him being in, in prison yes. already. You yes. know what I mean? So like it's, it's so it, it's almost like they they wasted this and they went, oh crap, we gotta put it in here because it's a great idea. Yeah. It's like no, it's a bad idea. And I think just the fact that his power level. I, they had a golden opportunity of a, a massive Magneto versus Apocalypse fight, and they just blew it. Oh, they totally of, do. Yeah, of budgetary reasons, and I get it. I get there's. It's not budget. The, the, it's not budget you know, because they they well, the money that they had that they could have used to have like an awesome sequence between Magneto and Apocalypse, they blew on this other action scene in which nothing else is happening. Like literally, Magneto is in his own personal bubble. Yes. <laughs> with I know. with awful. Mystique and Quicksilver standing outside of it, not doing anything, and Quicksilver, who spent this whole movie like ready to tell his dad that he's his dad, says nothing, and nothing. he doesn't yeah, even and he was... doesn't even have a reason that he doesn't tell him. It's just like later at the end, it's like nah, I'll tell him later. Eh. Like it's not <sighs> this thing. I'm like you can't do that with this character. Like don't make it like his defining thing of this movie is to you know, establish a relationship with his father and then have him decline to do that. And there's not even a reason not to like, it'd be one thing if Quicksilver said, wow, like he's really evil. He was helping apocalypse destroy the world. You know what? I don't want him to know that he's my dad. Like I don't trust him, but they don't really go. They don't go there. Like they don't go anywhere with it. He just kind of shrugs his shoulders and like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell him. And this whole sequence, like Magneto walks away free from this. And let's just, let's recount what happens in this scene. Like they show different cities all over the world that he is just raising from the ground, from the metal that's inside the earth, right? So like thousands upon thousands of people are presumably dying in these incidents. And all we get is a line of dialogue off screen of somebody saying something about how uh, Magneto was credited with helping the X-Men to stop Apocalypse and save the world. Really? Like, so by, by, by stopping or refusing to continue being a part of a destruction of like the destruction of the world, which he was already participating in and already killed thousands of people. And like, he just walks away free and like Xavier's just cool with that. And be like, bye bye friend. See you later guy. Just so like Fassbender and McAvoy can have like their little meta goodbye to each other in case they never sign on for any more X-Men movies. What the hell? (laughs) it makes no sense there's no logic to that whatsoever like it's while it's great that magneto you know helped kill apocalypse in the end and helped them defeat that's great but he was a huge part of the reason why (laughs) apocalypse was so successful and presumably killing so many people magneto was the one doing that and he wasn't even brainwashed 
Magneto had already mm-hmm. killed people to avenge his family, was already ready to kill a factory full of people, and then Apocalypse did it for him. And it's not like Apocalypse was doing any kind of brainwashing. He was just like, hey, man, I can help you be more powerful. I know you're mad at these people. I can help you kill more of them. All right, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I know, like, Brian Singer in some interview, like, alluded to, like, Apocalypse having some powers of manipulation. Well, that wasn't really shown here, and it certainly wasn't shown. <laughs> the power of persuasion? Yeah, and it certainly wasn't shown. <laughs> like, yeah, he's read how to win friends and influence people. So, like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, you don't show enough of that to the point where I would believe, like, maybe Bucky in Civil War, like, where somebody is mind-controlled to a point where I would believe that perhaps they're not responsible for the things that they did while they were under control. That's not what's going on with Magneto. So he's responsible for what he did there. And, like, what he did was kill a lot of people. So even though he helped stop Apocalypse, like... I would think that Xavier and the rest of the X-Men would be like, yeah, he probably needs to do a little bit of time considering all the people he's just killed. No, totally. And I, I think if you want, and, and people who are listening who maybe think that, you know, you're right, the Apocalypse Magneto should have duked it out. They should have fought. Or if it, you want to go be, on, It didn't have to be them. It just, it could have been. Just some, it should have to, been. To be, to should, be something interesting been. that happened. Yeah, so here's the thing. I suggest, I'm gonna, just like the last episode we just did, I'm going to suggest a Marvel Unlimited comic, X-Men <laughs> Omega. It's in an Age of Apocalypse era, so it's a it's totally different reality. But there's some cool, um, some fantastic, actually, Apocalypse versus Magneto moments of what the battle actually could have been. And it could have been amazing. And they just butchered that. And I think you had a great opportunity. Like I said, Mystique could have been a side character. You could have the whole time. You could have had these other uh, Cyclops, Jean Grey. Because think about it. We haven't seen these characters in action since X2, essentially, because they both went AWOL in X Last Stand because mm-hmm. Jean went bad as weird Dark Phoenix. was not even like acknowledging that was Dark Phoenix. And then you also have Scott Summers, who barely was in at Last Stand. So the last movie you actually saw him in was freaking X2. So you have this opportunity to have a great fight scenes with these characters against a powerful enemy, again against Apocalypse, who then all of a sudden gets the grown powers in his freaking mind when he takes on, you know, the real Apocalypse yeah. that I want to see only happens in Xavier's mind. So I'm like, what the hell? I was so disappointed. I mean, it just it Apocalypse is so small in this film. He's so he's just not he's a barely a blip on the radar. There's nothing substantial about him and his power levels. It's just not Magneto the entire time seems more powerful than Apocalypse. And though I think they're level, I think even in the comics, I think they're honestly equal. Maybe Apocalypse is a little bit higher level. But th- the thing is, like to me, like the whole film, I'm like Magneto trumps him still. It, 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 I don't get it. I just don't get it. Apocalypse is a threat because they're telling me he's a threat, and he has the the power of persuasion. But that's about it, and I just I just cannot get behind the way they handled Apocalypse. This is, he's just such a small character, and if I'm telling you Apocalypse is small, that's a problem. Yeah, no, well, I mean, visual representation of Apocalypse I thought was not great. I mean, the, in the costume, no, it didn't look as bad as in those very first images, but like it still wasn't a particularly great look. But I even a lot of that stuff, like I can forgive. You know, some not so great comic book movie aesthetics if everything else in the movie is exciting and there's a good story being told. But there's really not much of a story here and especially not much new story uh, is what I keep coming back to for X-Men Apocalypse. Like, again, spending all this time like, yes, like we got a cool like Phoenix visual at the end uh, in that battle sequence. But most of the other stuff was just kind of goofy. I mean, the other part is like, you know, all the X-Men are there because it's about to be the end of the world and their plan is that you know their plan at the start is that mystique and quicksilver will go deal with magneto everybody else's job is to get uh professor x back and get him on the plane and get out of there but what just doesn't make sense to me in terms of like the heroes acting like heroes and wanting to be heroes and i i get that they're kids but and i get that like they're not fully formed x-men yet because this is like the 18th origin story in this movie or in this series and there's only been like six movies like i i get all that but the problem that i have with it is i kind of like the idea of heroes who like really want to be heroes and 
I don't like going through the same excuse of, oh, it's their first day. You know, I've given enough first day passes for in this genre for as long as I'm going to. Like, I, I don't want to see that anymore. Like, I don't like how when they get when they get Professor X, like everybody gets on the plane and just bones out. And if they were successful, like it wouldn't have mattered because Magneto was still raising hell all over the world. And like they would have all just taken off and it would have just been Mystique and Quicksilver. So if Angel and Psylocke like hadn't attacked that jet and gotten it to crash, like the rest of the X-Men aren't even involved in the fight. And like you only need one of them to fly the plane with Professor X. So one of them get Charles, get Xavier on the plane and take off and the rest or try to do that. And the rest stay to fight. Show them wanting to be heroes. Like there's just so much awkward and weird and flat stuff. Like even that action scene, like it's. There's nothing really inventive about it, and there's a lot of there's a lack of movement to it. Um, it, it just feels very uninspired, as I think most of this movie does. Uh, not just the action, but the story and everything involved. Like it's just, I don't see a lot of enthusiasm. I don't see a lot of strong creative energy going into this. It just kind of feels like running through the cycle of things that have already been done before. And I, that's kind of, that's the kind of stuff that it's a lot harder to forgive. It's not like it's, I can't look at this movie and, you know, I would compare it to, uh, you know, movies like Hulk by, for, by Angley in 2003, or a more recent example like Batman v Superman, another movie I, I really don't like. Um, although actually Angley's Hulk's not that bad, but in those, that, yeah, it is. In yeah, those it cases, that's uh, a whole other podcast, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, but I certainly understand like there's a lot of that movie that did not work and it's similar to Batman v Superman, but at least in those, in those movies, like there's, there is some ambition in them that like I can actually point to and go, well, they were trying to do something. Maybe they didn't get it. Or maybe what they were trying to do wasn't the thing they should have been trying to do. And maybe they were trying to pull things in like a wrong direction, which is kind of some of Batman v Superman stuff. Like this one, I, I can't even really call it ambitious because like, like it doesn't really try to push things beyond what they've already done before. It doesn't even really try to explore new characters or new versions of characters in interesting ways. It just pulls the same thing. I mean, and it, it boils down to the same will he or won't he question with Magneto. Will he turn good or bad? And they just kind of interchangeably, you know, decide with each film, oh, on this movie he's going to end on a good note. And on this one he's going to end on a bad note. And this one he's good again, this one he's bad. This and he's back and forth with Magneto like I don't need to see that anymore. Like it, it it's so it's just exhausting at this point to keep going through that and it's just it's boring. And that's the one thing that these movies should never be at the very at the very least they should be entertaining. And this one to me is just boring uh throughout because a lot of decisions that get made throughout and uh you know this not only does it repeat tricks that have been used throughout this series, but it also repeats its own steps like I mentioned with the four recruiting scenes in a row that we waste so much time on. Uh, in this film and then even the one thing that people will point to as like a highlight is oh the quicksilver scene was great it was good but it was done better the first time in days of future past so like yes it's fun but like you already did pretty much that exact same bit in days of future past but it was done in a more interesting and more clever way in that film so even that didn't have the kind of impact on me as a viewer that I felt it should have. So, I mean, I don't want to, you know, luck, you know, if you're somebody who loves this movie, trust me, we're not doing a two hour round table of beating up on this movie. No, right. But, uh, I think what we should do before like summing up, focus on the positive. No, <laughs> I don't really have one. Like, <laughs> I, I don't like, I, I can't point to anything in this movie and go, Oh, I really loved that. Like, oh, one, I mean, the one thing we haven't mentioned is the Wolverine cameo. So did I geek out seeing Hugh Jackman bust out in like the Weapon X suit for like that first shot of him? Yeah, I did. I was like, I can remember, not only can I remember those comics, but I had that action figure with that costume. Me too. Me too. You know, and I, all I was remembering was how many like cooler fights I had between that Weapon X Wolverine and my (laughs) Apocalypse figure and like all my other (laughs) Marvel and X-Men toys. Like my fights were way better. Uh, than what they had but again it's so flimsy like that scene has nothing to do with anything like all of a sudden oh striker just shows up because oh we were trace some energy back to this place uh and we're energy we're moving you to this location just so we can have this wolverine cameo and then you're going to be moving right along your way um and by the way 
all that does is make the romance between Wolverine and Jean Grey super awkward and creepy. Like, that scene... <laughs> See, I didn't think it was... This, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I was just like, all it... I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I obviously I know I didn't that, that, way that Wolverine is, like, way older than Jean Grey, but at least let Jean Grey be an adult before some of that connection starts like because it to, was... be, to be fair he was a wild beast and she found a memory and gave yeah, it to him it's just yeah it just felt strange to me but whatever like it's not like that's not the deal breaker the deal breaker from a story point from a story perspective is there's not really a good story You're reason what? for them to be there <laughs> and so yes while i appreciate the weapon x costume like that just goes to show that even when you have something that is like a comic book, if you don't have a good reason for it to be there, then it just kind of feels hollow and the satisfaction of it is not as great as it ought to be. And that's like where I, you know, I've seen people who speak positively about the film and they say, well, this is like nineties X-Men comics or the nineties cartoon come to life. And I'm, I know there are other X-Men fans who are older X-Men fans who look down on the 90s cartoon. I'm not one of them. I'm part of the generation that, in addition to comic books, grew up with that animated series, and I still love it. Um, but, like, this movie does not represent that at all to me. <laughs> like, it doesn't represent that at all, because those that series had characters, and you got to connect with all the different characters. Maybe not all of them in one episode, which, yeah. you know, but you got, over the course of any, you know, take any, like, what to match the length of this movie, take any like six episodes of, uh, you know, I, I don't remember when you cut out commercials, but take any like handful of episodes from the 90s X-Men series and you'll probably get more character work for each of those characters in there than you would yeah. in this one movie. Like, so it just, that's where it fails for me. And even the color too, like I, I just thought, like I was just rolling my eyes, just like you gotta be kidding me at the very end like, and I see people saying, oh, wasn't it great that they showed the X-Men at the end in their costumes? No, it's not. No, it it's not. Way sooner. It's not great to show these costumes that you've refused to give the X-Men for six films, not counting like solo films and spinoffs or whatever, like these costumes that you've refused to give them for six movies to show them that for five seconds at the end of the film. No, I'm not going to be grateful for that. No, I'm not going to be excited about that. I'm just going to say, why didn't you give me these costumes earlier? Like, why didn't this happen? Like, even when they get their crappy, like, black costumes, even that, like, they spend most of the movie without them, and then they're running out of this compound where they saw Wolverine. It's like, hey, flight suits. Oh. <laughs> like, oh are you kidding me? Like, now we need, like, an explanation for the flight suits from, you know, from the 2000 X-Men. Oh, just no. No, no, no. Like, it's all just, this is, this is so bad. But, you know, now that I've, like, put another nail in that coffin <laughs> before we wrap up with like the final thoughts, which I think you can kind of guess what those are going to be, but yes. let's talk about the future a little bit because I think Eesh. maybe, I, <laughs> what do you think is there, you know, what do you think needs to happen here? Like with, Ooh. with the X-Men, like what, where do you see everything going from here? Ooh. Well, I, where I think it's going, I think this is kind of like the, period exclamation point or I don't know what this would be but basically this is like the end of the the current trilogy like we all know duh it's a no duh moment I think this is where I think Fox starts experimenting a little bit with the R-rated stuff because of Deadpool I think we're going to see Old Man Logan that's supposed to be all uh, in Wolverine 3 that's you know where that kind of where the success of that film goes, I think they kind of dictates where they're going to go. If if Old Man Logan Wolverine three whatever they're going to call it goes in and makes a ton of money and is R rated, then they're going to go a little harder edge. Which at that point, if if it does, and I I've always been critical of Fox for doing it, especially with Deadpool, but with Deadpool, if they make this Wolverine film successful that I think they go a harder edge and maybe that's might be a better avenue to go down because if this was, they're going to give me at PG 13, I may want only R rated films out of their mutants because I don't like what they're giving me right now. So I think if they did that, there's possibilities of bringing things like X force into it and bringing a more military aspect to the mutant franchise. 
as if we're talking about, I know there's a new mutant script right running around, mm-hmm. and I know for people and people need to know that New Mutants and X Force were hand in hand. That's how they turned New Mutants turned into X Force, a cable led team. So you gotta re- realize that when people, I keep hearing them almost as separate things. I'm almost thinking they're actually the same thing. So I think there's some kind of younger, more uh, hip, quote unquote. Uh, you know, with younger characters, uh, mutant team out there that might be edgier, that might be the way to go. But you also still have the problem of rebooting Wolverine. So where they go from here, I think really dictates of how old man Logan does. And then after that, if that does do well as an R rated film, then you do you reboot your X-Men franchise with X-Force or do you reboot it completely with X-Men? I almost think rebooting with X-Force may be the best idea, especially with the lackluster results that it's getting. I know it's not a complete bomb. No, it's not. That being Apocalypse, apocalypse, but that being said, it may need a fresh kickstart to reopen the whole X-Men universe. Like I almost think of X-Force like if you use X-Force right, you could already talk about X-Men being around, like them making references. Like, you know, you know Cyclops said this to us once or, you know, Professor Xavier was wrong. Like you're, you reference them like they were a part of their past, and that could be like a, a way to introduce them. Kind of like what BBS is kind of doing with the JLA, which I know is not a hot button topic, but hear me out. If you use that to your advantage, and you, yes, and you use put them all on to, YouTube videos. That's what you. No, <laughs> no, no, not like that. But if they, if you use them to your advantage, and you you play with the fact that the audience knows who these people are, like a Cyclops, and you don't have to show a picture of them, but you reference them that you know, okay, this is in the same universe. Then you can come out with the, with the after X Force or New Mutants or whatever with a rebooted X Men team, or maybe even introduce them in a post credit scene of X Force. I think X Force. And Old Man Logan, or Old Man Logan, and then probably New Mutants X Force is probably where they go next. And I think the reboot needs to happen with X Force slash New Mutants. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. Um, I think the way I see it is that like Deadpool is probably going to, you know, Deadpool slash X Force is going to kind of be the centerpiece of these things going forward. I, I don't know. I mean, X Men Apocalypse. I'll, I'll just say like. A lot of people look at that opening weekend and they say, well, it made, and it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it made 65 million, and that's way less than Days of Future Past did at like 90 million in 2014. But if you look at it, like I look at it a little bit differently because Days of Future Past was always going to be a bigger X Men movie and a bigger event because it was merging the older, like original X-Men cast with the younger versions that started in first class. So it was kind of like an Avengers of the X-Men in that kind of weird team up way. And then you had, but then also like Wolverine was like there throughout the entire marketing of that. And like, it was a very heavy Wolverine movie, but apocalypse, like we've always known that Wolverine like was not going to be in this movie or would have a cameo at the most. And, and all he got in the marketing was just that little claw shot in the trailers. And I, I don't think that's enough to tell everybody, oh, yeah, Wolverine's totally in this movie and going to have a big role in it to make them show up. So I actually compare, you know, as a comparison, I, I usually look a little bit more at first class for X-Men Apocalypse. And, you know, it actually did better on the opening weekend than first class. So, yet, you know, it suffers in the comparison to Days of Future Past, but I don't know that that's a completely apt comparison, at least not uh, from the way I look at it. So, but I think what you need to look at is, well, how do people feel about the movie? And it seems like the general audience feels okay. I mean, they gave it an A-minus cinema score. That's better than BVS got. Like, it's not like they hated it. So, I, I don't think, I don't think that... um the general audience is as down on this movie as critics and maybe uh, other fans were. So I don't know that it's a total disaster where you can't keep this X-Men series going. It's just really difficult because now you have the, the X-Men like stuck with these young versions of the characters in the eighties, unless you're going to like fast forward it like 30 years and pretend none of them have aged at all. Kind of like they fast forwarded 20 years and pretended nobody had aged. Yep. So unless they're going to do that again, it's kind of like, well, where do you go? Like you leave these guys. St- I know they said, well, the next movie will happen in the 90s. So we're going to do another 10 year jump. Like, for no. What? So I hope they don't do that. I just don't, I mean, because I like this young cast. Like I, I if we made a movie about them and they actually got to do things and be interesting and talk like all of them, not just Gene. 
Like if they all had a chance to do that, then I would be interested in that movie. I really would be, but it can't really be connected to anything else. So it's tough. I know that contracts are up for Fassbender, Lawrence and McAvoy. And I think if you're Fox, like just let, let them go and let, give those characters a rest. Just come up with some reason in the script for those characters to not be there. Um, you know, do whatever you have to do. It's not like they care that much about continuity anyway. So do whatever you have to do to not, I would give those characters a break for a while, not even necessarily recast them right away. Maybe bring back Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen and go back to like the original cast uh, and see what they could do with it, you know, in a world where now Deadpool and Cable and other characters exist. Like those are the things that I would uh, try to mess with. Or maybe Cable goes back in time in his time travel in an X-Men movie or X-Force movie or Deadpool 2, maybe he messes up timelines that just merges all these continuities together and it brings the 80s X-Men into the current day. Do whatever you got to do. <laughs> but I, I think that's why I would just go back to like, it's going to be Deadpool and like Cable and X-Force and all that. I think that's what's going to be driving it for a while because Deadpool was so incredibly successful. It made more than any X-Men movie ever made. And that's just a solo movie uh, for an R-rated comic book film. So I absolutely think that like Deadpool 2, X-Force, New Mutants, and I think those might actually end up being separate movies. If that happens, then I think that will be what you see kind of taking over for a while. And I think that's fine because it kind of gives Fox a chance to give the rest of the X-Men a little bit of a break. I think they need time to really kind of sort out where they want to, uh, where they want to go from here. One thing they could do is, uh, you know, Deadpool, even though... It acknowledges the other X-Men movies. Um, I think what Deadpool could do is Deadpool could honestly, like if they do some time travel thing in Deadpool 2, if they want to reset the continuity, Deadpool is the one character who could totally get away with it. He could break the fourth wall and be like, yeah, we know, you know, Fox has screwed up the, you know, the studio screwed up. That's a good point. The studio has screwed up this continuity so bad. You don't like it. We don't like it. So Cable and I are going to travel back in time and we're just going to fix it. (laughs) And like, and they could do the whole Wayne's World thing. And they're back. So that's what I would do if uh, something like that to just reset it. Uh, but yeah, X-Men probably get a break while everything else uh, leads the way. So let's sum it all up, Paul, uh, now that we've addressed the mm. future. Uh, final thoughts, yes, closing arguments on X-Men Apocalypse. I didn't really like it. I didn't think it was complete dog crap. I just thought it just wasn't very good. Um, like like Sean, I'll probably on, buy it on Blu-ray because I have all the other Marvel. If I own Wolverine Origins, I'll own X-Men Apocalypse. Enough said, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. Do I think it's worse than Wolverine Origins? Uh, no. Is it worse than Last Stand? Uh, it's a little bit better, Maybe. but barely. It's a little bit. I, <laughs> yeah. I, actually, do, I actually don't hate Last Stand, but... I, I, I don't know. I, it's probably be- a better film, but I, I have more problems with the main bad guy. And I think that's that ultimately is what where I really, really just just film that just derails for me because I just and you probably have heard me repeat myself a million times. I just can't get behind Apocalypse. Archangel plus Archangel looks like dog crap. I'm sorry, he is just. Really? You couldn't give him the blue face, like light blue face. You could have made him the freaking most ama- one of the most amazing looking characters in the X-Men saga when he makes him his four horsemen. You give him like the stupidest thing ever. Like he still has his blonde hair. Give me yeah. a break. Come on. So here's the thing. With this X-Men movie, it's not great. I don't know where they're going to go with the Mr. Sinister angle at the end of the film. Um, that's what they're – it's basically Sean V. Don't know. There's basically all that happens is these guys in suits come in, a la Hydra, if you will, mm-hmm. come in. They take some vials of blood that say Weapon X on it, different Weapon X programs, yep. and they close the suitcase, and then it says Essex, which is Essex is the last name of Mr. Sinister. Right. So I was like, oh, cool. All right. This There's nothing – Sinister's cool. I love the look. He's an amazing-looking villain. I just don't know – if like again, unless he's going to be an X Force villain, I just don't, I just don't see it working as an X Men villain. Especially, how they, I don't trust them. How they handle the apocalypse is terrible. So, I just my faith in the X Men franchise right now is just kind of because the thing is, remember, I, I I like Deadpool, but I didn't love Deadpool. I so, same boat. So, so I mean, my faith in the X Men franchise is 
is kind of wavering right now. It's not, is it completely derailed? No. Is it, you know, if they make a great X-Force film or New Mutants film, will I be excited? Yes. So, but at the same time, Old Man Logan, I hope, saves that for me. And, but I, this film, it just kind of proves to me it needs, it long, a reboot is long, long overdue. Well, and I think if you can, I mean, you either, you reboot some way through Deadpool, whether that's like a full reboot acting like Deadpool was part of a brand new continuity or Deadpool just fixes everything and just pieces together the continuity to make it what it needs to be. Um, whatever the case is, I think that's where you got to get to. But as far as, you know, this uh, X-Men apocalypse, it's, it's very clear if you've been listening for the last hour, I don't care for the movie very much. Uh, the more I think about the movie, the less I like it. Cause there's just a every time I think about the very just simple problems that this thing has and, and the, I, what I think is just a really a lack of inspiration or lack of ambition to really push this story and these characters forward and really give them all a fair shake and give them all a chance to be explored. I feel like it just doesn't even make the attempt to do those things. And it's one thing to make an attempt and fail, but this one just, I don't see much of an attempt there other than to try to work off of things that have worked before. And it, the result is just very, very flat and the pacing of the movie is just off, like to the point where, again, you spend so much of the first hour playing out that same scene four times, like, and it just, it takes away from the movie's ability to just be entertaining on even a superficial level. I couldn't even get that much out of it. So no, I mean, I, I don't think this is a very good movie. If I rank, you know, as far as like ranking of the X-Men films, if it's above anything, it's only above Origins and The Last Stand, and that's just because those movies are just, bad so i mean it's like you know i i don't i would say that it's definitely i'll definitely put it above origins but i don't know that i'll put it above last stand i think i i, I think i do but maybe not i, I don't know we'll, we'll see because i've seen last stand multiple times so when i get the blu-ray i'll i will force myself to watch this at least once more um to check it out and see you know where i might uh solidify its ranking but it doesn't really matter because it's it's near the bottom and if it's if it's better than last stand and, and origins then it's only better than those two and it's closer to those two than it is the very next you know fox X yes. movie, or mutant movie so you know it's definitely at, at toward the bottom there and and i and i think you know I don't think there. I think it had every opportunity to be more than that. It had every opportunity to be great, and I just don't even really think it. It took much of a shot at it, and that bums me out. You know, this was a movie that had a lot of potential. I like Apocalypse as a villain, and as I said before, I was excited by some of the trailers, and I was giving it, you know, the benefit of the doubt, and I really felt like a chance to explore new characters and new versions of previously known characters. All that stuff was stuff that I was totally on board for and ready to see. And the movie just didn't deliver uh, on a lot of what I thought it was uh, suggesting it would in the trailers. And that, you know, that bums me out as well. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a movie that makes a lot of clumsy mistakes and at the same time just really kills it by just being a complete bore and completely forgettable. I mean, I guess it's not that forgettable because I remembered enough of it to talk about it on this show for an hour. <laughs> but what I mean by that is like, yeah, I can remember it now, like three weeks from now. But I mean, this is a movie that people could forget exists, <laughs> you know, like in, within uh, not that long of a stretch of time, like with so many other superhero movies that come out every year. Like I don't see this one having uh, having much of a hold. And, and it does really make me wonder, like not not Fox overall, but like the X-Men franchise specifically, I really genuinely wonder what's next because I think that a lot of the central people involved in like the making of this movie, it feels to me like they're tapped out. That's kind of what this movie felt like yeah. to me. Like everybody who's been like Simon Kimberg, Brian Singer, and like no offense to those guys because they've done great work before. So I would just, you know, I would just really question how much they have left in the tank for this franchise. I'm not saying those guys don't have other great stories they could tell about other characters, but about these X-Men, it, it, it felt to me like they've said all they had to say, and I think they finished saying it before this movie. And that's why I didn't feel like there was much, all that much new to say uh, in Apocalypse. So 
Um, if they take a break from it and they come back and they're re-energized and newly inspired to take it in a new direction, then I'd be happy to have them come back because Singer and Kinberg have both had success in this franchise before. But it may, at the same time, it now may be the point at which they need to step away and let somebody else come in uh, with a fresh voice to see what they want to do with these characters. Um, totally. But, yeah, but that is where we will wrap up this X-Men Apocalypse review. If you liked the film, you are not still listening. Uh, if you did not like the film, then, uh, well, you know, then uh, thanks for uh, suffering through it with us. Uh, but uh, as always, you can send your questions to us. Tell us how wrong we were about X-Men Apocalypse or any other questions you might have. Just send it over to marvelnewscast at gmail.com. And, Paul, where can everybody keep up with you? You can keep up with me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, um, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also follow my other podcast I'm on, um, Blaster Cannon, which is my Star Wars podcast. We go over all the uh, stories outside the films, the books, the comics, etc. Also, I'm bringing back my old podcast, Unmuted, with uh, two of my best buddies. We're going to talk about all kinds of nerd stuff. Um, yeah, we're going to have that back, and hopefully we'll have a new episode up here in the next couple weeks. So look out for that. And you can keep up with me on Twitter at Mr. Sean Gerber. You can also follow along with all the things I post over at modernmythmedia.com. And you can keep up with Superhero News at the website, superheronews.com, or on Twitter at SuperheroNewsCB. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks, as always, for downloading the show. We will see you next week. Mm